What does it mean to strive for eternity? You know, there's a lot of people who don't understand the name of our ministry, and because of that, they get confused. Are we striving to work our way to heaven as some think? Well, that is what we're going to discuss today on Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report. (laughs) Welcome to the Rap Report with Andrew Rappaport where we provide biblical interpretations and applications. This is a ministry of Striving for Eternity and the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Well, what does it mean to strive for eternity? Those of you who are regular listeners, you know the meaning of the name. You may know that That is the name of the ministry that I work for, Striving for Eternity. Uh, I am the host of this podcast. I'm Andrew Rappaport. happen to be the president and founder of Striving for Eternity, and that name has caused confusion, bud. You and I talked about this, but there's a lot of people that contact us, and they will be very much against just the ministry because of the name, because they have a knee-jerk reaction thing that, well, I don't work my way to heaven. Um, do do you think I agree with that? Do, do, do I believe in work salvation? I don't, you know, I haven't actually held your Bible in my hand, but I was looking at mine and it still has uh, like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 uh, in it. And I'm, I'm sure yours does as well. So Yeah, and I, I, I actually believe I what it says there. <laughs> Yeah, of course we do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's people sometimes, especially on in social media, get like knee jerk reactions where they respond to things without even giving in the time to understand what someone else may mean by something, or to think through that something could have multiple meanings. The word salvation, even many people don't think about it, but there's three senses of the term salvation. Salvation is a general term. It refers to that, those of us who are believers today, it would refer to salvation past. It would refer to that point in time that we were once an enemy of God and were regenerated or justified and now became a child of God. So that's a past tense kind of view. Present tense, we could say salvation, but that's that sanctifying process that starts the moment we're regenerated until the moment we die. That's also referred to as salvation. But then there's the future salvation, the moment we die and we graduate and we're glorified. Now, all three of those refer to salvation, and yet they have very different meanings. And I've often said that one of the biggest problems you see with cults and other groups is they confuse very regularly that first two points of salvation, that justification with sanctification. It's a huge problem. Yeah. In fact, when I had Andrew Smith on and we were talking history a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about this being a major issue that you look at historically in the church. That confusion causes problems. So what I find is that People are not understanding that name, and what we wanted to do in this episode, Bud, is you wrote an article. You, For folks who don't know, every Sunday you put out a new article on Come Let Us Worship, and you have a whole series of them, and there was one of them that you wrote, and I was like, Bud, you captured exactly the meaning <laughs> and thought behind the name. Can we, can we work together, modify this to, like, 
draft it into its own article that would be specific to why we named the name Striving Fraternity. And you were like, well, okay. <laughs> Is that how I sound? Okay. <laughs> I was trying to make it sound like Eeyore, you know, but it didn't work. <laughs> oh. Okay. But, you no, know, but you, you were actually very glad to do it. <laughs> And it was a great it was a great study because I think that your point is is very apt. Um, the majority of those that are professing Christians in in evangelicalism sitting in pews now, I don't think they grasp the idea that much beyond the fact that I, I, I maybe I repeated a prayer, I walked the aisle, I got baptized, I've got the certificate, and I show up every Sunday, and that's the extent of their of their understanding of the faith. So there's a lack of discipleship there, and there's a lack of doctrinal teaching um, that Scripture makes very clear. I mean, Paul especially makes very clear we're we're struggling for this, and uh, we're striving towards a goal. And what is that goal? And the article you're talking about was uh, with regards to the hope of glory. I mean, that's what we're looking forward to, nothing in this world, but, but what we have promised to us in certain uh, through Christ and because of Christ. So yeah, your, your point is right. People could see your name and think, oh, well, this is, you know, this is salvation by works. You know, when I first came up with the name, I actually, this, I wasn't going to call it Striving for Eternity. I actually had a different name planned. I wanted to call it Eternal Perspectives because that really captured what I was thinking is that we have to have an eternal perspective. And I was about to do the paperwork. I was supposed to fill out the paperwork on Monday. And before that, I went to a conference and I ran into and met someone by the name of Randy Alcorn of Eternal Perspectives Ministry. (laughs) And suddenly went, oops, that's not going to work. But that was the idea I had behind it. So I wanted to come up with something. I was trying to figure out what to call it at that point. And what ended up happening was I would sign my letters back when people would write handwrite letters i know it's a foreign day right but i would sign it striving for eternity and so i decided though that's what we would name it and so we wanted to go through the kind of some of the articles that you originally wrote as is being kind of morphed to answer this question why are we striving for eternity let me first read if i could from Colossians 3, because I think that Colossians 3, 1 through 4, really does capture in Scripture what it is that we mean behind this name. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden in with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And I think that that captures the idea that we want to have our minds on the things above. And I think that what we end up having to realize is that for the the Christian, 
many Christians are really informed on the things of this earth. The, the, where my thinking was really changed with this, bud, was I used to do counseling at a, at a live-in addiction center, and I would do the counseling with the, with the guys, and I realized something. And I would tell many of these guys this, as they come to Christ and they feel inadequate, many of these men were lacking in education, and the program that they were in was, basically, they got more of a biblical education than most people in churches, even most people that go to Bible institutes or, or, or you know, Bible colleges. They had to memorize passages of the Bible every day for, they were in the program for four months they had different passages, sometimes just one verse, sometimes a couple of verses, but every day they had a memory verse. So they memorized a lot of scripture. Yeah. And you, when we went through this, the, these guys would struggle. And I remember one gentleman who said to me, he says, I just can't see how I could live the Christian life. I just, I feel like I'm going to constantly be falling short. I just am distracted by by everything around me. And I asked them the question, when you were addicted to the drugs you were addicted to, was there anything that distracted you from that? I mean, you, your family left you, you lost your job, you you lost your house, everything. He said, no, that the, the addiction was everything. I mean, I, and there was no distraction. He said, that was everything for me. Well, that is what the Christian should be. I mean, that should be, that really does capture the way a Christian should be, that Christ would be our addiction, that we would be so focused on him that there is nothing that would get in the way, that we don't care about our own life, we don't care about anything but Christ. Now, the difference between Christ and the drugs is the drugs that any kind of sin is going to destroy us, especially if we're giving ourselves over to it, but Christ will not. Right. No, as as Paul just said there, Christ who is our life. Um yeah, so completely different thing, but but the same sort of concept. You see this from Paul, and this this is not just some psychological crutch. This is not just uh, you know, positive self talk to sort of pump yourself up and, and work through the next day. This is a, a growing, progressive, continual uh ingestion of scripture of the word of God um, that does what Paul says in Romans 12. It, it, it renews our mind. It transforms us by the renewing of our mind. Um, that does a number of things for us. It, it grows us in assurance. It grows us in understanding. It grows us in love for God, the first great commandment, and it grows us in love for others, the second great commandment. So, um, if your focus is off, uh, you, you're going to fail and stumble in your daily walk. And Paul there is telling us where our focus needs to be. It is to be on Christ. Yeah, because what you end up seeing, and if you think about what Peter says, is we're sojourners. <clears throat> we're pilgrims in this world. We're passing through. This is not our, our citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're just passing through on earth, and that should be the mindset of the Christian, that we are sojourners, just on our way, but we have things to do while we're here. And I think a lot of Christians make earth their life that they focus on, that becomes everything for them. And you and I were talking that some of the, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about some of these 
preachers, if we can call them that, they're definitely not pastors, most of them, that preach a message that may sound great in America, but would never fly in a place like Iran or Iraq or China, where people are actually being persecuted and murdered because of their faith, right? Yeah, yeah. This prosperity gospel, this message of good news, not everything is good news. And I think that what you end up seeing here is that a person who's preaching a message like that, when the trials come, they don't have a firm foundation because their their focus is off. Yeah. I I live by an amusement park here, and I remember as a kid going to this amusement park, and I loved it. I mean, it didn't matter. I could st- sit two hours in a line for a ride that was 30 seconds long, and I would run and get right back on that line. <laughs> I never thought about the lines. I mean, I thought about that thrill, that 30-second thrill. That was everything. It was the anticipation of that ride that gave me the joy to go back to this amusement park. Then I went there with my kids as an adult, and it changed. Because suddenly, I wasn't going on the rides because they didn't feel the same way, and my body just didn't enjoy them as much as when I was a kid. Right. And the only thing I remember is the lines because I had no more anticipation of the ride. When I removed that, that focus of the ride, the only thing I thought of was the lines for the person who names the name of Christ and their focus is not on heaven. That then what do they focus on? Well, this, this earth, that's it. That's all they have left. And when you lose that anticipation you lose all the focus, all the joy is gone. And that's why you have so many Christians walking around trying to figure out how to make things to make them feel better, to make themselves happier. And and they are getting, and in America, we see so many people getting more toys and getting more things, like that's going to solve it for them. And the reality, I think, as we see is, if our focus is on Christ, we can go through many a trials. And we can, we can, learn from them and even rejoice in them as paul says in philippians but if your focus is on your best life now you're not going to have a very good life in fact and we've said this before if this is your best life now then you only have hell to look forward to for me this is my worst life now i have heaven to look forward to amen you know that that uh going back to colossians what paul wrote there it, it it opens up. I'm reading from the NASB. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, well, you can read that in the negative too. If you have not been raised up with Christ, you're not going to be seeking the things above the the direction, the perspective, the aspirations of your life are going to be on things that are on earth and not on things that are above. I mean, that's a valuable uh, examine yourself. Uh, kind of perspective to take. What are my affections? Because in a genuine uh, believer who has been regenerated and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you are slowly going to see your affections change, sometimes very quickly, but you're going to see that change. Your affections change towards the things that honor God, that God loves, and, and, and you're hating the things that God hates. Um, it's what Paul in, in Romans 8 talks about that, uh, 
Uh, you know, if you're living according to the flesh, your mind is set on things of the flesh, and that means death. Um, it's the mind that is set on the spirit that is life and peace and that progressively. So it's, it speaks into our sanctification. You're, you're doing this by the intake of God's word and the meditation and the study and the prayer, uh, that goes with that. And the Holy spirit illuminates his word and you grow in holiness to be like Christ. It's, you know, it's Paul's sort of summary statement of his ministry philosophy in Colossians 1, where he says that uh, he's striving to make every man complete in Christ. Well, that's what we want to be. That That's what we're striving for. Yeah, I think that part of the problem that we see here is really a failure at the pulpit. Because there are many pulpits that are not pointing their congregation to the gloriousness of heaven, to what to look forward to. I, I my, one of my favorite passages is Second Second uh, Corinthians five, because when you look at that, that whole passage is just focusing the believer on the things of heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, for we know this is First Second uh, Corinthians five one. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. That should be the focus. You see that throughout that. You you see this in Philippians when he says, for me to die is gain. He's looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. And and so you see here that Paul's perspective was to be so fixated on Christ and being with him that he could go through everything he went through. And I think there's far too many pulpits that are not lifting Christ up high enough for people to appreciate what Christ has done, but even more so to give them that that fixation, that focus on the eternal things. I I often think people ask, what does it mean when God says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? So many people have a negative view of fear, that fear is a bad thing. So how could the fear of the Lord be a good thing? And yet, what does it mean to have the fear of the Lord? When you fear something, the example I like to give, someone comes up to you, bud, puts a a gun in your side and says, give me your money. Are you thinking about what color you and your wife wanted to paint the kitchen? (laughs) No, no, not that I'd have a say in it anyway, but still, (laughs) are are you, are you worrying about at that moment? Are you thinking, you know, did I put enough in my 401k for my retirement? No, no, no. There's something that suddenly captivates your entire attention. Doesn't it? Yes. And that's called the fear. The gun in my ribs. The yeah. gun in your ribs. <laughs> right. That's the. That's what fear is. Fear is captivating, and that's what we have to do with Christ. He should captivate our thinking completely. You know, you have a quote in in the paper that you had written. You said uh, 
you say here that the the lack of heavenly mindedness is not unique to Christians in the 21st century, though. Uh, like all uh, like all error, its oversight is grown in magnitude and effect. And then you you reference a uh, a work from a reformed biblical uh, from uh, father of reformed biblical theology. Why don't you read that quote? for us. Gerhardus Voss from his 1922 book, uh, Grace and Glory. Um, Here's the quote. He says, our modern Christian life so often lacks the poise and stability of the eternal. Religion has come so overmuch to occupy itself with the things of time that it catches the spirit of time. It purpose, its purpose has turned fickle and unsteady. Its methods become superficial and ephemeral. It alters its course so constantly. It borrows so readily from sources beneath itself that it undermines its own prestige in matters pertaining to the eternal world. The days are perhaps not far distant when, distant when we shall find ourselves confronted with a quasi-form of Christianity professing openly to place its dependence on and to work for the present life alone, a religion, to use the language of Hebrews, become profane and a fornicator like Esau, selling for a mess of earthly pottage its heavenly birthright. You know, and maybe the timing of us doing this podcast may be fitting, because those who listen to this when we air this, we're coming up on a season where there's a lot of focus on material things. As we enter into the Christmas season, so many people focus on the new toys. We just went through the the season of Thanksgiving where I'm always amazed because what is immediately after Thanksgiving? Actually, it's not even the next day anymore. It's that night. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Black Friday, Black Thursday night. Yeah, Black Thursday night, because it's the day where everyone is just pushing and shoving and trying to get that deal for themselves because they need that new TV or camera or whatever it might be that they have to have it for themselves and they have no care for their fellow man. And so maybe, just maybe, in God's providence, maybe the timing of this is fitting because as we talk to folks about having this fixation, this this mindset of being on the eternal things, maybe if you don't get that new toy you really wanted, maybe it's okay. Um, for for many, if they don't get what they want for Christmas, <laughs> they pout. But yeah, as we as we think about it, you know, we look at Paul's example. He makes it clear that he he was ready for death, and he was looking forward to it. You know, th- as we think about the views that people have with this, you gave a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. And for folks who don't know, he was a biblical expositor of a century ago. Um, he, and you you gave an excellent quote in there about where, where our view should be. Where, where do we really live? Where is our citizenship? You, you want to read that one? Here's the quote. Quote, Christianity gives very great prominence to what it calls the hope of glory. I know that this is ridicule today, but it is New Testament Christianity. 
the New Testament attaches much greater significance to the world that is to come than it does to this world. And he closes with a quote, our citizenship is in heaven. And that's where we should be focused. You know, you, you mentioned there the the hope of glory to which Lloyd-Jones refers is the heavenly eternal state of the believer promised to us in John 14.3. And I think that's interesting that you would focus on that because there's so many people that when they they think about where heaven is, you know, in John 14.3, it's speaking about Christ going and preparing a place for us, mm-hmm. right? And it's we think about that often in the sense of that we should, you know, that this is when we're going to have eternal life when we're with him. But so many people don't even understand what it means to have eternal life. Christ told us what eternal life is in John 17, 3. He says, right. and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. So right. eternal life is not living forever. It's not living in heaven. It's not being in heaven. Eternal life is, first off, something we possess now. We know that from John's writings. I say, I write this to you who have eternal life, not going to have, not one day will have, who have eternal life. Because what's eternal life? It is knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. Very different mindset. And so, when we talk about striving, we think about this, it's a term that I think a lot of people do struggle with, Bud, because where a lot of the struggle seems to be is in the fact that they think that when we say striving for eternity, they think of it only in the aspect of the evangelism or the idea of regeneration, that we're working our way to heaven. But very clearly, I hope we're making the point that there's another aspect that we can say, striving for eternity. And I do want to get into this in a bit more after a break, because the idea of striving is very clear in in the scriptures. And I want to go to some of those passages right after this break. Ding dong! Jehovah's Witnesses. Ding dong! Mormons. Christian, are you ready to defend the faith when false religions ring your doorbell? Do you know what your Muslim and Jewish friends believe? You will if you get Andrew Rappaport's book, What Do They Believe? When we witness to people, we need to present the truth, but it is very wise to know what they believe, and you will get Andrew Rappaport's book at whatdotheybelieve.com. Striving for Eternity is a crisis ministry focused on equipping people for eternity and they provide speakers and seminars that come to your church with expertise in theology hermeneutics world religions creation science evangelism presuppositional apologetics church history and expertise in sexual abuse in the church for details on their seminars and to request a speaker for your church go to strivingforeternity.org striving to make today an eternal day for the glory of god And, Bud, we should let folks know that you and I are going to be going to Israel in March of 2021. We're going to be going, Striving Fraternity is going to Israel, and we would love for you to join us. Israel is like those once-in-a-lifetime type of experience. It really will help you understand your Bible. It is a a once-in-a-lifetime because it's not cheap to get there. 
So if you would like to join us, the, the speakers at Striving for Eternity, also we have uh, Justin Peters is going to join us. If you want to come with us, you have a lot of time to save because you have almost a year and a half to save. But also if you put the down payment down today, you have till next Thanksgiving to just really decide because you can cancel up till next Thanksgiving, which gives you a whole year to make sure that you can save up the money. You can go to 2021israeltrip.com. That's 2021israeltrip.com to get all the details. We're going to be going on, on a longer trip. It's about two weeks, and therefore we're going to get to see a lot more sites, and we're going to be with some great guides uh, everything is covered with that. Your 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 breakfast, or I should say everything but lunches. There's one lunch covered, but breakfast and dinner are covered. Your hotel stay is included. If you fly out of New York, that's included. If you fly somewhere, if you want to meet us in Tel Aviv, it's a little bit cheaper and you book your own flights out there. But we're going to be heading out there. It is limited to 55 people. We're going to be on one bus so we can have a lot closer relationship and times of fellowship. So we have limited it and we're half filled. So we're letting you know that it's, if we'll fill up, especially as we get closer. So you want to make sure you go to 2021israeltrip.com and make sure you sign up today. Now with that, but when we think about the idea of striving, what does it mean to strive? This is something that I think a lot of people think somehow if we say that we are striving in our faith, that somehow that is a works-based system. And so, you know, let's let's deal with the passage. I, I know you refer to a passage in Matthew 7, but there's a, the counter passage to that is in Luke 13, and in Luke 13... Yeah, Luke 13, 24. Yeah, yeah so why, why don't you read that passage in, in your Bible? That's yeah, the, that's is, the that's new... You're, you're reading out of the New Arminian Standard Bible, right? <laughs> uh, the, the new uh, American Standard, uh, yeah. <laughs> For those who listen to Just Thinking, they'll get that, that kind of rip there on... on uh, Daryl, the, the host over there. Um, I gotta, oh, yeah, I, that's true. I got to support my my fellow uh, elect standard version brother, Virgil. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> ESV, right, yeah. I've got that, too. I can look it up there. I just have it written here. So. <laughs> this is the one in front of me. But, yeah, uh, Luke 13, 24, this is the Lord speaking. It's the corollary passage in Luke to Matthew 7, uh, that that portion from the Sermon on the Mount where Christ is talking about the two gates, the wide path, the narrow path. Luke uh, records it as follows. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. (laughs) Yeah, and the thing with this word for strive, this word is from the Greek Agomizomai. It's where we get the English word agonize. And I think that that may help people to understand the idea behind this. It, it's the idea of to make every effort. It's, it's often translated as to fight or to struggle. It's to contend for a prize. Now we end up seeing this. This is the word used in John 18, 36, where 
Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting. That's that word right there. In in 1 Timothy 6, 12, Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. So that's that same word, fight. He, it's, it's translated as struggle in Colossians 1, 29 and 4, 12, at least in the elect standard version. Um, but, but he says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So you, you get that idea when this word for strive is is actually in this passage in Luke 13, it's an imperative in the Greek. It's a command. We are commanded to strive to enter through the narrow door. And so when people say that it's somehow wrong to, to say that we should be striving, well, bring it up with Jesus. That's the, hey, bud, you notice that? That's in the red letter part That's- too. Oh, no, is it? Yeah, it would be. <laughs> for those who listened my to whole two Bible episodes read, ago. Andrew, I don't know. <laughs> just for those who listened to two episodes ago, episode 99, when we, we dealt with the red letter Christianity. Yeah. If you haven't listened, go back to episode 99 and, and check that out, red letter Christianity. But, you know, there are some things... You brought up the fact in, in the article that you had written that we, we strive because Christ commands it. And, and this would be one place where we end up seeing this. Now, you, you go into um, defining that a little bit and, and defining the, the word for strive there. And you gave a quote from R.C. Sproul in the Reformed Study Bible that was edited by R.C. Sproul. You want to read that quote? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's from the Reformation Study Bible, a really popular and, and excellent uh, study Bible. But uh, R.C. Sproul's notes there on Luke thirteen twenty four says this, This, meaning the striving, does not mean that salvation is by works. It is a strong way of saying that people must be in earnest about salvation because the opportunity to receive it will not last indefinitely. Now, I am very glad to see that, you know, one of the things you wrote in that article is not only do you give, you give a, a quote to the Presbyterian R.C. Sproul, but you, you gave a more lengthy quote to the Baptist John MacArthur from his, <laughs> the MacArthur Study Bible. Yeah, well, on my, on my desk, I've got uh, Sproul's Bible on one side and MacArthur's Study Bible on the other side, so I kind of pit those against one another. Most of the time, they're consistent. Yeah, we, we, we want to be balanced to make sure that we have, uh, you know, we, we, we can appeal to both the Presbyterians and, and the, the Baptists here. Um, so, <laughs> but, but I'm glad that, that we have a, lo- a longer quote here from MacArthur Study Bible where you said, it says, strive. This signifies a great struggle against conflict. Christ was not struggling Sorry, Christ was not suggesting that anyone could merit heaven by striving for it, no matter how rigorously they labored. Sinners could never save themselves. Salvation is solely by grace, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But entering the narrow gate is nonetheless difficult because of the cost in terms of the human pride, because of the sinner's natural love for sin and because the world's of the world and Satan's opposition to that truth. 
So I, I like what MacArthur says. Maybe I'm preferential to the Baptist, but <laughs> uh, when when Colleen Sharp of Theology Gals listens to this, I'll hear that one. I'll I'll get I'll get an earful on that one. <laughs> but but that's the idea. Of this this word striving it it is something that's commanded. It is something that talks about a great struggle. It, it's not something we take lightly. It's not something we we just pass off. So the fact that Christ commands us to strive to enter in the narrow gate the the idea of striving can't be wrong i mean we are told to work out our own salvation exactly well it's consistent too with what christ in in uh, matthew and a couple of times in luke even gives as his gospel call you know the command to repent and believe but but christ puts it this way he says if anyone wishes to come after me he must deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me so what are you striving against you're striving against that that desire that we don't have to deny ourselves, but that's the gospel call of Christ. But again, this is a call when, for us, though that working out that we have to do is after we're regenerated. The whole idea is we can't, yeah. we can't, we could strive for that door all we want. We can't open it. If you're going to use the illustration here of, of the door in Luke 13, we can't open that. We strive for the narrow path because broad is the way that goes to destruction. So left of our own devices, that's where we're going to go. Okay? But it's the Lord that's going to open to us. So what you end up seeing is this is not speaking of regeneration or justification. What we're speaking about when we say the striving for these works of, of salvation in the general sense, it's the work of sanctification. It's what happens after we're justified. That, it's, this is more to do with the mindset of the Christian than the works that he actually does. So many people focus on the, on the works, and yet the real issue that I think we're trying to bring out here is the mindset, the perspective. Does one have a perspective for Christ so focused on him that he captivates the mind, that he captivates every thought? We are to have every thought captive to Christ. When we do that, that is striving for the things that are eternal, because to strive to captivate every thought to Christ means to go against every thought for self. Mm -hmm. You have one or the other, and that is where the Christian struggle is. It is to struggle to captivate every imagination of our mind solely for God. So if we're going to struggle and, and, and strive for the narrow gate, it's going to be something that should be more progressive in our Christian walk as we get older. I think we can see this in the life of Paul. A very interesting study that you could do is look at Paul's writings from the early writings to the later writings, and you'll see that as he got older, as he walked longer with the Lord, he starts to see himself worse and worse and worse. 
He sees more and more of his sin, but he also desires Christ more and more and more. And so I think what we end up seeing is that we strive because we're commanded to, but we strive against things as well. We First off, we strive against sin. The, the striving is something that should be evident that the more we walk with Christ, the more sin still plagues us. And I, I know from my own life, there's there are things 30 years, 30 plus years ago when I first put faith in Christ, there are things that came very quickly to put aside. Foul language was very easy for me to put aside and not to have that happen anymore. But there's other things that are much harder. I mean, there's there's issues of pride, there's issues of thoughts in my mind, you know, that just get hard to get rid of. And when the, the easy things fell away when I was younger, it gave more visibility to the harder things that I needed to strive against. Sins yeah. that were more in enrooted in my life. You know, you think of you think of weeding a garden as an illustration. You could sit there and mow the, the weeds and just plow them over, but all that does is it cuts off the tops. The roots are still in the ground. And they're just going to come back. In fact, if you if you do that and you just rip the tops off, the root system becomes more embedded. So you can't just take the external away. You have to dig that down. You have to pull it out from the roots. Because if you don't, it just continues to grow back, but it grows back stronger because the roots are better ingrained. The same with sin in our life. If we don't strive against sin, if we just try to cut them off at the top and and say, well, no one notices because it's just the thoughts of my mind, it's just stuff that's inside, well, that stuff is taking a stronger hold than you may know, mm-hmm. and it's going to come back out. And when it does, if you're not focused on a Christ and on eternity, you're not going to strive against sin the way we should. And so... This battle is an, the, is an ongoing battle that we have in our sanctification process. You know, you gave a quote in, in your article from the Puritan John Owen. And why don't you read that quote? Because, I mean, anytime you quote from John Owen, it's yeah, always no good. Kidding. Well, yeah, convicting, but that's good. Um, yeah, and this is from, you know, his, his work on mortification, really drawn out of, uh, I think, Paul in Romans 8, where he talks about if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Well, Owen wrote, do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it whilst you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. And, and that's a well-known uh, quote, and it's a good thing that it's well-known, but it's easy to read. It is much harder to do, and, and that's part of the struggle. That's the, you know, the flesh against the spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians and then again in Romans. Um, this is what we're fighting against. We're striving for Christ, but we have to strive against sin to focus on him and to be obedient, to be holy as he is holy. You know, we don't struggle 
only to strive against sin. We also have to strive against the world. Our culture, as you and I have addressed on this, and I've addressed on many other episodes of the podcast, the culture around us is pretty wicked. (laughs) It's not getting better. No. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if we try to act like the world, the world is going to influence us more than we will the world. And we have so much of what we call American Christianity that is fixated on worldliness. They're trying worldly means to bring people in the church. They're trying worldly ways to get people to, to be accepting the gospel. And they, they forget that what they win them with, they keep them with. So if you win mm-hmm. someone over with worldliness, the only way you're going to keep them in the church is with worldliness. So you, you, you can't move past that. They're never going to grow in the striving for eternity that we're talking about because they're fixated and stuck in the world. And that's their focus. You, you have all these... I can't even call them sermons from people that I can't call pastors who get up in a, in a, I can't, I'm not even sure I could call it a church, but they get up and they, they do the most insane nonsense to try to illustrate things that have nothing to do with living a life that totally glorifies God. They, they speak so much about following the things of this world. And so, you know, I think that we end up seeing that we we have to strive against worldliness. You know, James warns us in James 4.4 4 about someone who makes himself a friend of the world. What does he make himself, if he's friend of the world, he makes himself an enemy of God. And, and you know, Peter says... We are to be holy just as God is holy. That comes from Leviticus, you know, that book that most people don't want to read because, wow. <laughs> that's, in the, that's in the black letters up at the front, right? Yeah, yeah. the black letters <laughs> up at the front. That's exactly right. <laughs> and yet it's God who is saying that. So, I, you know, why don't we put the red lettering in the Old Testament, too, when God said, be holy, for I am holy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's who Fred said it first, right? And so we have to struggle in in this striving against the world system that is around us, our culture. And if people want to try to look like the world, I mean, so much of what we're seeing where people are placating and wanting to give in to social justice, give in to women preachers, give in to homosexuality, just because it's easier to get along with the world, then you're not going to be salt and light to the world because you've you've caved in you're part of them yeah. now, why why would the people in the world want to come to a church that's just like them what do you have to offer them no we have to strive against the world there's a third thing bud that we strive against we strive against sin we strive against the world and we strive against the enemy you know, we end up seeing from Peter that our adversary, the devil, he, he is like a roaring lion. He's, he's waiting to do what? To devour us. 
You see that in 1 Peter 4.8. That's the description. He's not seeking to get along with us. And the fact is so many people want to just kind of give in. It's, it's, it is easy. I admit it. It's easy to give in. But that's not what we strive for. We have to strive against that. We have to strive against the enemy, the devil. In fact, you you bring out the, the passage in James 4, 7, where it says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we have the power to resist the devil? Well, not really. <laughs> we do in Christ, right? Because we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the power to resist the devil. Which is the first part of what James says. By submitting, therefore, to God, then you're able to resist the devil and he will flee from you. I think that's one of the, your point there is well taken. It frightens me to think that most Christians don't understand um, from the Apostle John that this world, the God of this world, little g, is Satan. That's why worldliness has to be fought against. That's why we have to strive against it, because it's from the father of lies. It's the deceiver. Uh, It's the ancient enemy of of our Lord who is in control of this world, certainly at the sovereign will of God who is permitting this. But that's what we strive against. And and we can have success in that only as we've submitted to God, uh, obeying him in his word. So when we say that we strive for eternity, we strive because it's commanded, but we strive against things. We strive against sin, the world, and the enemy, but we strive for a reason. We strive because we are his. We're in Christ. Not just because he commands us to strive, but the Christian should be making every aspect of his life to be seeking to strive to do what pleases God, to strive for eternity. You end up seeing this in Peter, because Peter says this when he ends up talking about this struggle that we have. When he says in 1 Peter 2.11, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. So Mm -hmm. this is not just some little thing that, no, this is, this is a warfare. And therefore we, we are to strive, but we strive because we are in Christ. It's, it's, once we become in Christ, that automatically puts us against the world. We're, we're automatically in a position where we are not of the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. And so by being his, by being in Christ, we, we automatically go from being an enemy of God to a child of God we go from being a hater of God to an ambassador of God. Mm-hmm. 
And that that change is going to put us in a position where we no longer have a desire for darkness. And the world doesn't like that. But because we're in him, we're now of the light. We now have something different. So, you know, Bud, you have a great quote here from J.C. Ryle that really kind of summarizes everything that we've been trying to say with what it means to strive for eternity. How about you read that quote? Okay. Yeah, J.C. Ryle says, Whatever others may do in religion, the Lord Jesus would have us know that our duty is clear. The gate is straight. The work is great. The enemies of our souls are many. We must be up and doing. We are to wait for nobody. We are not to inquire what other people are doing and whether many of our neighbors and relatives and friends are serving Christ. The unbelief and indecision of others will be no excuse at the last day. We must never follow a multitude to do evil. If we go to heaven alone, we must resolve that by God's grace we will go. Whether we have many with us or a few, the command before us is plain. Strive to enter in. And thus, we who are in Christ strive for eternity. The heart's desire for both Bud and I in this episode is that for you who listen, that that would be your motivation, that you would strive for eternity, that you would have the mindset that we're speaking of, especially in this materialistic world and this materialistic season we're in, that you would see that Christ is of far greater value than anything this world would have to offer. Amen. That's our desire for you. To live is Christ. To die is gain. That's That's biblical Christianity. And so few people, Bud, understand that that passage you just quoted, because what he ends up saying there, right in that same passage, he says that to go and be with Christ is far better, far better. But to be able to minister among the Philippians is, is needful, is helpful. Mm-hmm. And then he says an interesting thing. He says he's hard-pressed between the two. That word hard-pressed in the Greek is a very interesting word. It is the term that's used for when they would, when a butcher would slaughter the cattle. What they'd have is these two guardrails that would be very wide at one end and very narrow at the other end. And they would push the cattle down. And the, the cow would go down. And as he's going down the, the these guardrails, it gets narrower and narrower and narrower until he gets to the end and he is wedged in. He's hard-pressed. He can't move to the right or to the left. And they do that so that they don't get hurt. The animal doesn't get hurt. You don't lose any meat. You don't hurt a person when you, when you slaughter it. It's now wedged in. That's what he's saying. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Are, are we hard-pressed? between our great desire to be with Christ and serving him on earth? Or do, do we have that pressure 
where we want to be with Christ that badly, but we see the need to be here and serve mm-hmm. others on earth. I think that will change our mindset when we think like that. Yes. And so I hope this was encouraging to you, listener. I hope that this helps you with your, your mindset. And as before we go out, but I want to I want to give an announcement here for the Christian podcast community. The the rap report is a podcast on the Christian podcast community. I hope that if you're a first time listener, that you will subscribe to the Andrew Rapport's rap report. I have a daily one Monday through Friday, two minutes long. If you like shorter things, answering apologetic questions, trying to give you answers to tough questions in a short period of time. But we are going to be having a contest starting December 15th and running all the way through the end of February. It's leap year this year, so we'll get an extra day out of the contest. But <laughs> we're giving away over $750 worth of theological and um, evangelism resources. We have books, we have DVDs, we have CDs, we have flash drives, all kinds of things. And there's like a hundred ways you can enter. So if you go, the, the quick, easiest way, you can go to strivingforeternity.org and see the link there because I'm sure it's on the homepage. But if you want a quick link to remember, just go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T-L-Y, bit.ly.com, bit.ly.com slash CPC, that stands for Christian Podcast Community, CPC Contest. So it's bit.ly.com slash CPC contest and you you could go there there is a link with the all of the prizes you could see everything that you'll win and there's a lot of ways to enter so you could go through there's some things where you can enter every single day and get more entries that there's different points that you get for different things but if you go there we're giving away a lot of different resources things from macarthur things from uh uh, Justin Peters, we have stuff from Ray Comfort, we have, actually we have Justin Peters' whole flash drive, um, a lot of different stuff in there, different movies to encourage you in your faith. Uh, we're actually getting a couple more things coming in from the different podcasters, and so it's growing, so it may get over, <laughs> like it may get to $1,000, I don't know, but if you want to go to bit.ly.com, slash cpc contest and make sure you enter make sure you go in every day to get as many points as you can and we're going to be drawing a winner and so this is something that we're doing to help promote all of the podcasts on the christian podcast community if you want to check out a lot of really good podcasts go to christian podcast community.org and you can check out all of the podcasts that we have available we have a growing list as of right now i think we're up to 20 podcasts and we have some more that we need to add. So I hope that this is something that you would participate in because we really desire to see the, this aspect of teaching, this medium of teaching, of podcasting, to be something to enrich your spiritual life, to help you to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God. And you know what, bud? What's that? That's a wrap. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Hey, Colleen, we have been pretty busy at the Christian Podcast community. Yeah, we've added seven new podcasts. That's right. We've added two guys and a Bible. They're a conversation on theology, culture, 
and God's Word. We've added Echo Zoe Radio with Andy Olson, a monthly interviews with knowledgeable guests on a variety of topics dealing with theology, apologetics, errant teaching, and cultural issues. Revived Thoughts, which exists to bring history's greatest sermons back to life. Quest for Truth, which is comparing worldviews in a casual setting, digging deeper into the Bible and its challenges. Uh, Creation Science for Kids, a mom and her kids discuss creation science and all the areas of theology affected by it. We also have Cave to the Cross Apologetics, which is a new one dealing with apologetic issues. And then we have some brand new podcasts. Why don't you share about Awe and Wonder? Yeah, so On Wonder is hosted by a friend of mine, Kristen, and uh, her podcast is to help women grow in biblical literacy, theology, discernment, Christian living, and our awe and wonder of God. And she's going to be doing Bible study, Bible verse memorization, and conversations on the podcast and through social media sprinkled in to her various episodes so I'm I'm pretty excited about this Um, she'll be talking about things like the attributes of God stories behind some of the hymns and some stories of martyrs you know people that came before us one thing that she says is Psalm 115.1 is a verse that they recite every morning at the school that she's working at and it's become one that she reminds herself of a lot and that she'll be sharing a lot and it says not to us O Lord not to us but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And then we will have one last very special podcast that's going to be brand new, Theology Throwdown. And Colleen, this is where all of the podcasters of the Christian podcast community are going to gather once a month to discuss theology and discuss our differences that we all have in different areas But we're going to display that we can talk theology with charity and love toward one another. Kind of the way we think Christians should be behaving online. And we're going to be doing that and discussing theology. So it's going to teach theological issues, give different perspectives, and yet also display that we can do this with love and charity toward one another. So I hope everybody is checking out all of the new podcasts. And if you want to check them all out, go to Christian podcastcommunity.org today to listen to some great teaching. 